Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening on 87.688 or 87.8 all across Australia. And today filling in for Danuta and Lawson, we have Blair and Joseph. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good to be here. Good morning, Shell and Blair. It's great to be here and not only with you, but all our listeners as well. Absolutely. It's exciting, absolutely, and we, you know, um, I want to throw it to you, Joseph. What are you grateful for today? It's a beautiful morning. It is a beautiful morning. Let me tell you what I am grateful for, Blair. I am actually grateful that um, yesterday I was walking and I was just thinking how the Bible tells us about a God who actually promises things to us. I'm so grateful that because I thought, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to be promising things to God. Then I realized that I can't really make through those promises myself, but instead of focusing on my promises to God, I was grateful that God actually has promises to us, to my life, and these promises come true if we believe them. Absolutely. Well, Joseph, this morning I'm grateful. Uh, we, well, coming up in the news segments, so we're going to be talking about some of the conflicts over in Israel and uh, some crazy things that are happening in the world around mm. us. I feel like every time we look at the news, there's crazy things happening. And so this morning, I am grateful for life. Amen. And Breath, air, you know, just a peaceful country. They're really quite basic things, but so many things that we can praise the Lord for and thank Him for. And, um, yeah, we can, I think, I don't think we can ever be too thankful for those highlights that we can really thank the Lord for. <laughs> yes, I agree. So tell me, um, Joseph, you're, this is your first time. Is this your first time on Faith of Him? I think it was, I came here before, maybe one or two times, but it feels like this is just my first time. Very good. Well, first time hosting. Yes. First oh, you've time been a guest on an interview. I have been interviewed a few times. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to having you on the show. We're glad you could be with us. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We want to give a shout out to all of our listeners in Lightning Ridge in New South Wales on 87.6. Have you guys been to Lightning Ridge before? Absolutely. Yep. I've, I've, um, been out there a couple of times. We've taken service trips out there and yeah, met the people. There's a lot of opal mining out there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing actually that I think they're very quite well known for black opals, as I understand it. Uh, and just before we went on air, uh, air, I was talking about black pearls, but it wasn't the black pearls. It was the black opals, wasn't it? There's not much water out there <laughs> in Lightning Ridge. <laughs> But yeah, fantastic. And you know what? I, I've got a really cool quick story about Lightning Ridge. Well, uh, about opals, I should say. My friend, uh, Pastor David Ashrick and his wife, Violet, I was on a trip with them out back. We were going through Cooper Pedy. It was my friend's birthday. We were staying in an Airbnb and she was really keen to go opal mining and just like fossicking outside in the rocks. And she went out on her birthday and she was determined to do it. She did it for about an hour. She came back with a little rock and it was an opal. She got it polished up and valued by the people in Cooper Pedy, and they valued it at $10,000. What? Oh, wow. Yeah, on that's her birthday. That's bad. Wow. That's, talk about God's gift on your birthday, right? Ah, we wow, couldn't believe it. How... And all of us, we were like, oh, we can't be bothered going through that. But she was so keen to do it, and it was her birthday, and the Lord blessed her. That's wow. amazing. Wow. All you listeners in Lightning Ridge, text us in on 0491064669. Let us know if you've had any such... Um, blessings as well. But we are glad, glad that you're listening to us here on The Breakfast Show this morning. Joseph, you want to give us our first quiz for the morning? Yes, thank you very much. So, 
Our number is 0491-064-669. And before I drop in the quiz, I just want to remember all of our listeners that these quizzes are actually prized and you can be the happy receiver of one of our booklets with a Bible study where we have a, an encounter with God segment every morning and we're studying through this guide. And Blair, did you know that over 20 million people go through these studies oh, yeah. every single day? It's quite amazing. We call it the 20 million movement and it is, I believe, the most popular Bible study guide. And look, it's going to help you to really get deeper into the Bible. But before we uh, get into that segment, I actually want to ask a question. Number one question is, when chasing after Moses and the Israelites, Blair, where did Pharaoh and his army die? Oh, that's a good one. Okay. And is it Lightning Ridge, perhaps, or... I don't know. Well, if you think you know the answer, you can text it through to 0491064669. And we want to remind you that you can participate in this quiz, even if you don't want to go in for the prize. You can put a little star asterisk next to your answer. You can text it in, and we'll just know, Shell will know that we you're not in for the prize, but you're in for the, the points, or for the fun, we should say. Absolutely. So, yeah. That question again, when chasing after Moses and the Israelites, where did Pharaoh and his army Die. Yes. And, oh, Blair, I forgot to mention that not only you will be receiving the booklet with the Bible study guide, but also the companion book with all kinds of extra information. Oh, man, this deal so It's a two-in-one That's getting better and better. Yes. So if you, are, if you do know the answer or if you don't know the answer, but you want to try it anyway, please do send a message to 0491-064-669. And I'm going to repeat this, the question one more time. So you can pay attention. When chasing after Moses and the Israelites, where did Pharaoh and his army die? Awesome. Well, Joseph, tell us what's been happening in the world of good news today. I'll tell you a good news that is happening right here in our territory, Blair, because the New South Wales government, starting yesterday, has banned cell phones in all schools in the state. No way. Yes, way. And not only that, a lot of states are actually following, following through with as, that as, as of well. yesterday. As of yesterday. So uh, ACT is already going to be implementing it. Queensland is talking about implementing it next year. And what do you think that the students will feel? Oh, I imagine the students will probably have an initial uh, bad reaction. They always want technology and phones, but I think it'll be good for them. You know, there were some schools, Blair, that were trialing out that ban before it became yep. mandatory. And you know what the teachers on these schools said? The students got behind it. Really? The vast majority of the students actually saw it as a great thing. Really? And with that, yes. And the parents were happy as well, most of them. And what happens is this ban functions from the time school starts all the way to the time that school ends. That means that during recession, lunch breaks, what have you, no phones are allowed. And each school is supposed to work it out how they're going to actually enforce that ban. Some of the schools, they have a little cage where when the students come into the school, they can just um, keep their cell phones there. Others have a little plastic bag when they come in, and that plastic bag can only be opened by a special little tool uh, at uh, the exit gate. But um, one of the things that uh, the educators particularly were quite happy about is that, number one, reduce the distraction levels of the students. Number two, Increasing socialization, so they notice that you know around you know uh, uh, recesses and lunch breaks, 
the students were actually talking to each other. How good is that? And then number three, and I think this is also a very good news, they noticed that pretty much overnight, digital bullying mm. has significantly, dramatically dropped. Of course, yeah, because you can't be texting or making, you know, doing things through the day with the teacher not being aware of it on the phones. Yes. Yeah, wow. So I think this is a very um, forward-looking uh, initiative. I want to thank uh, Chris Min, the New South Wales Premier, for leading the charge. This was actually one of his campaign promises, and it's good when people follow through their campaign promises. So we are committed to good Christian biblical values, so when someone does something good, we'll say it. Absolutely. That's fantastic. What an amazing good news story. Yes. What else do we have in the way of good news? On the way of good news, apart from that, we also have something quite um, interesting, Blair. And the good news is that um, in a, one of the schools with about 1,200 kids, they only found three kids on average that were trying to bypass the rules. Oh, wow. If you know what I mean. However, this is how it works in most schools. So the first time that the student, the student gets caught using the cell phone um, unlawfully, they get a warning. Uh-huh. Okay. The second time... Their parents get a warning, and according to one teacher, on the third violation, they are in all sorts of strife. Wow. Well, I, I, mean, yeah. I, I mean, I'm interested what our listeners think about this new development. If you're a teacher or if you're a, a parent or maybe even if you're a student listening in, what do you think about these new rules about not having phones? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? We're interested in hearing what you have to say. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Filling in for Danuta and Lawson today, we have Blair and Joseph. I just wanted to give an announcement before the boys take over. We, by popular demand, finally have a podcast for our interviews specifically. So you can always go to our website or to our app and listen to The Breakfast Show um, podcast where you hear the whole show that has aired previously so you can catch up on ones that you missed but now you can just go straight to the podcast that says breakfast show interviews and you can find the ones that you loved the most and just listen to just the interviews on their own there so make sure you check that out i know that a lot of you have been asking for that so that's very exciting all right, well, let's, give, let's hear another quiz question. Joseph, what do we got? All right, Blair, true or false? Because Jesus was God, he didn't obey his earthly parents' rules. True or false? If you know the answer to that question, please send us a text to 0491-064-669. One more time, true or false? Because Jesus was God, he didn't obey his earthly parents' rules. What do you think about that? Uh, send us your answer. We're going to be looking forward uh, to hear and to read it uh, in the end of the show. In the meantime, if you know the answer to that, just text us 0491 Absolutely. And you can get your name in the draw to win our fantastic prize, the Bible Study Encounter with God Bible Study series and companion booklet. And again, a reminder, if you want to just join in 
Uh, not for the prize, but for the fun. You can put a little star next to your name and we'll know to mark that down for you. Well, Joseph, today in breaking news, we are going to be covering some very crazy but um, interesting things that are happening around the world. Uh, just over the last few days, of course, over the weekend, we had the Israeli conflict break out uh, with the attack um, taking place and we know that that was covered yesterday as well but interestingly uh, we've seen in Sydney riots breaking out over this and uh, you know Chris Minns the premier announced that they were going to light up the opera house with Israel flags in support of Israel uh, pr- uh, Prime Minister Albanese has come out in support of, of Israel and kind of condemning the attacks that have taken place and the global community has really rallied around uh, this quite quite dramatically, really, um, but uh, but not everyone was happy about this. So there was a protest. About several hundred people marched on the Sydney Opera House on Monday evening uh, to protest this decision to light up the, uh, the the sails of the Opera House with the Israeli flag. And uh, it was yeah, it was quite the scene. There was a flare that was thrown down, and uh, someone there brought an Israeli flag and 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 unveiled it but was quickly escorted away because they uh, were worried for their safety basically yes. um, what what could have would have might have happened and uh yeah it's just really such a crazy conflict that's really escalating uh the israelis have uh, declared war and they've uh, basically put a siege on the gaza strip at the moment so things are quite unrest I, I've, I've seen various numbers for death tolls but uh, some estimating up to around 1500 people already taken in this conflict which is always a tragedy when war takes place isn't it it is it is blair and look, and I acknowledge this is a, one of the world's longest enduring conflicts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about this goes back to the 1960s, 70s, and even before. Actually, its original roots bake, uh, date back to 100 years ago. That being said, Blair, you know, as a follower of Jesus, uh, you know, I, I remember something when Jesus says, you know, uh, to Peter at one point when Peter was uh, trying to defend Jesus and the honor of Jesus, and he took out his word. And he cut the ear of the high priest's um, um, a servant. And that, that episode was, you know, right at the night where Jesus was being arrested. And Jesus, you know what he said to Peter? He said, put your sword back into its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. And I think this is a very profound statement. Jesus actually healed the ear of that man's, you know. And I think that as, a, as, a, for, as followers of Jesus, we, we should have a commitment to life. A commitment, you know, in the, in the, in the story of the Israelites, um, you know, God instructed them, look, you're being oppressed, you're being, you know, by the Babylonians. And so, and look, I know, I understand that people can hold various views on that topic. Some people held really strong beliefs on that. But at the same time, Blair, let me tell you one thing, you know, usually violence begets more violence. You know, uh, it's yet to be seen a conflict that, um, you know, has been solved properly through violent means. Usually it's at a great loss to both sides. So it is very sad. And we pray, and I not only pray for Israel, I saw a lot of pray for Israel, but pray for the Palestine, for Palestine as well. Pray that God will speak sense into all of those who are involved. You know, uh, violence is not um, the solution. And yes, we, we are going to see what's going to happen. Uh, my heart worries uh, by the amount of innocent casualties mm. that we'll be seeing in both sides, because in a war, there's nothing, there's always, never such a thing as a safe war. No, 
No, that's right. And we've seen some tragic scenes coming out on the on the movie uh, movies on the news clips and things like that. It's just things that we, sh- we wish we would never have to witness. Yeah. It's always a tragedy when life is lost. And so, yeah, absolutely, keep praying for the conflict over there, all involved. And a great message, Joseph, around uh, being peace as Christians, being peacemakers, as we. Yes. We should be a force in this world for reconciling people to God. Yes. Um, in another story related again to life is uh, a really big win for, uh, I think, the life in Australia is that just recently, over the weekend, the, uh, the Queensland Health have recognized the lives of babies born alive after abortion. Now, this is a topic that has been under discussion on the national stage for some time with various bits of legislation uh, the Babies Born Alive Bill and others being dis- discussed at a national and also state level. But in a very, uh, I think, wonderful development, there have been, the Queensland Health have revised their instructions, their clinical instructions for, for doctors and, and nurses, people involved in medical f- facilities, uh, and they've amended it for babies that are born after an attempted abortion. So previously the abortion guidelines had stated that if a live birth occurs, the instruction was do not provide life-sustaining treatment. Uh, however, this has now been amended, and in section 543 of the clinical guide, it now says if a baby is born with signs of life, provide care appropriate to the individual clinical circumstance and in accordance with best practice guidelines. This is fantastic news. There's around one baby a week that's born alive after an attempted abortion every week in Australia. And so this is this is a, a, an amazing development. We And it's kind of against the trend of what's been happening. We've seen just recently in WA uh, amendments to the abortion uh, baby born alive bill rejected by the WA upper house. They didn't accept these uh, amendments, and uh, you know. And similarly, we've seen that trend across other states in Australia. But Queensland is really um, setting a bit of a different direction here, and I think it could be. Uh, I mean, I think it's a fantastic thing uh, to, for the for everybody deserves care. Yeah, when they when if they're, if, if they're born alive, everybody should should have care. Yeah, uh, and so. I think we can have a huge celebration for life here um, in a huge win for life in Australia. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that story, Blair. And look, we also want to acknowledge that abortion can be a very complex issue with people having various different perspectives. Uh, and we acknowledge that people you know, may have deeply held beliefs and experiences that shape their views. And we also understand that it can, for some people, it can be a, a triggering topic. Um, and if that is the case, we, we are just talking about the facts here, the news. But if by any means you felt triggered by, by that news, you know, we'd like to encourage you to give Lifeline a call in one three eleven fourteen, so thirteen eleven fourteen, and uh, these guys over there will do a wonderful support in terms of talking through, discussing these issues. But um, yes, Blair. So, but that's definitely on the positive side of news. You know, before they have no care, and now they have care. And I think that that's uh, definitely something, you know, uh, in the direction of life. That's right. And if, you know, if you are excited by this and you'd like to continue to support these sorts of things taking place in other states across Australia, there's always opportunity. Uh, this is being discussed on a federal level with some legislation introduced by Senator Alex Antic. And so you can get involved, get in contact with your local politicians and share with them uh, your desire to see life sustained in Australia. <music> 
You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Normally with Danuta and Lawson, but we have some guest fill-in hosts today. We have Blair and Joseph in studio, and Joseph is going to hit us with another quiz before we go into our interview. Okay, thank you, Shell. So quiz number three, what was the name of the youngest named son of Adam and Eve? I'll repeat it. What is the name of the youngest named son of Adam and Eve? If you know the answer, send your message to 0491 Six, nine, to get and to receive a wonderful prize, which is the companion book plus the Bible study guide that we're following on our Encounter with God segment. Awesome. And we are very excited to introduce our guest for today. We have on the line Dr. Taz Walker from Creation Ministries International. Are you there with us, Dr. Walker? Can uh, you hear us? Yeah, I'm, he- I'm here. I've been listening to you. It, sound- it sounds really good. And I'm excited to be online with you. It's really good. Oh, that's fantastic. We are very much looking forward to talking with you today. And we know we're going to get to some information on carbon dating, which is always a fascinating conversation. Uh, but before we get there... I would love to just for you to share with our listeners, uh, maybe they haven't heard of you before. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, I'm with Creation Ministries. So I'm a geologist. And so I look at the rocks. I call me the rock hound. Uh, and they say that I've got rocks in my head, but not really. <laughs> so uh, I trained as an engineer and I worked at the electricity industry for many years. And then I went and studied geology. And uh, so I've been – I um, take people on – field trips around the countryside uh, every now and then, and we look at the rocks and I show how it's uh, evidence for uh, the truth of the Bible and uh, particularly how the Noah's flood shaped the earth. That's uh, really interesting, and people find that amazing. And So I've got a family. I've got, I've got kids and grandkids, which is good, and uh, it's great to be with Creation Ministries. I've really, It's a great uh, honor for me to meet people and to talk to people and to see people's um, – uh, enthusiasm and confidence in the Word of God as they realize that it's actually true from the very beginning. Absolutely. What a what a fantastic opportunity to testify of God's creation. We are big fans of creation. Uh, we think that it has the fingerprints of God everywhere around that we look. We can see evidence of our Creator God. And so that would be so fascinating to be able to study that full-time and share and teach on that. Um, so thank you for the work that you do. Now, I want to ask you, uh, we've got you on today to share us a little bit of information about carbon dating. Uh, what is carbon dating? Well, carbon dating, well, first of all, it's important or it comes up as an issue because the ages of the uh, that are given, you know, um, for things contradict what the Bible says. What a plain reading, when you read the Bible, it gives the impression that, uh, you know, that God spoke and it came into being and that things happened quickly and that there was a global flood about four and a half thousand years ago. You can work that out pretty easy. But um, carbon dating, well, it's not actually carbon dating. That's the word that people use, but uh, that uh, this radioactive dating uh, is something that uh, gives ages of millions and millions of years. It's interesting that carbon dating doesn't. People think carbon dating does, but carbon dating, actually, carbon fourteen, it is. It's a it's a uh, a variety of the. This comes in various varieties. You get carbon twelve, carbon thirteen, carbon fourteen. And so uh, this uh, carbon-14 is unstable and it breaks down 
And it, it, about, in about 5,700 years, uh, half of what was there is gone. So that's called the half-life. And then in the next 5,700 years, uh, the next half of it's gone again, and so there's only quarter left. And so uh, carbon carbon dating, it can it um, uh, well the carbon 14 atom it decays very quick, reasonably quickly, and it doesn't give millions of years. It only gives thousands of years. And so, uh, in actual fact, carbon dating or carbon fourteen is a is a friend of the uh, biblical age of the earth. It's quite amazing, really, the way that works. And uh, people uh, have uh, creation scientists have um, one guy by the name of Dr. John Baumgartner collected some samples of diamonds, which are supposed to be uh, a thousand million years old, a billion years old or more. And uh, there should be no carbon-14 in them. But he sent them off to the laboratory, they were analysed, and uh, they found that there was carbon-14 in them, which indicates that it could be really, really, really millions of years old, uh, and it points to them being thousands of years old. So carbon dating, uh, when people talk about that and millions of years, it indicates they're not quite sure of just how it all works. Yeah, that's very fascinating because this is one of the areas that is often used as evidence to cite a millions of years age old world. And, uh, you know, we're learning that that's probably doesn't really fit the narrative. Now, how, how do people come up with these longer time periods based on carbon dating? If, if, if what you're saying is the case. Well, in actual fact, people came up with the idea. Uh, of the world being uh, millions of years old, unimaginably old, uh, that idea has been around for a long, long time, even before they knew anything about the radioactivity. So it, it, there's a uh, one of the early geology books says that the Hindus uh, they they had a, a concept of uh, you know very very old Earth, and so that's all. It's always been around, and the question has been how can we measure it. And so the people who believe in the old earth have been, have been uh, trying to find a way of measure. And so they've looked at various things and they have uh, settled on these, uh, these atoms, which are unstable types of different atoms. Like uh, there's, uh, and there's a number of them. The most, the most popular one would be a, a potassium, uh, a potassium uh, variety called uh, uh, it's it's an isotope of potassium which changes into argon, which is a gas. So that's the most uh, that's the most popular one that's used for dating rocks. And uh, the thing is, there's there's a major problem with with using the any method, any method, not just radioactive uh, methods, but any method to try to work out the age of something is that you don't know what it was like at the beginning. Nobody was there. That's the funny thing, isn't it? Nobody was there, and so you have to make assumptions, and it all depends on the assumptions you make as to what age you get. And so that's really where where it is. You know, uh, it's very interesting that people who do this, they always point to these amazing technology, these uh, these um, um, mass spectrometers and things like that, and they point to the equipment, and you can see what it looks like. And photographs of it, and it's just overwhelming about you know how amazing the equipment. Is. But they're only making measurements in the present. 
they're making measurements of something now, and they but they need to have to know what the values were in the past, and they can, and nobody can go back in time to make those measurements, and so they have to guess the beginning, and so you can get any age you like depending on what you guess. And so that's really it, – so people are, in a way, tricked, I think, by this method and not realising that there's a lot of uh, – basically the, the question is, what age would you like? And uh, any age – any number that comes out which is not, which, which doesn't agree with uh, – you know, doesn't fit with what they'd like, they say, well, there must be a problem with this and maybe uh, this happened or maybe that happened. We'll get another sample and try again or some, a, a slightly different way. And so that's a very subjective method, whereas the only reliable way of knowing the age of something – I just make a joke about it's a historical method. That's how I know my age. <laughs> uh, I, my mother was there at the time when I was born, and there was a doctor there, and they wrote down in a report, and that's now a birth certificate. And so that's how I know my age. So, and and, and uh, radioactive dating. Uh, it's a big issue for lots of people. Are sort of thinking, it makes them uneasy thinking that they can't trust the Bible. But in actual fact, the Bible provides a historical account of what happened in the past, and it's got the names of the people that were there, how old they were when their children were born, and you can tra- trace it through very easily and get uh, work out just how old the Earth is. It's about. It's about 6,000 years since uh, God created Adam and Eve at the beginning. Uh, he's, he, Adam and Eve are the two that, uh, well, they're my ancestors and they're your ancestors too, I, I, I would assume. <laughs> well, I know. Yes. <laughs> We're all right. one big family. <laughs> we're all one big family. That's right. And that's, uh, and, and, and yes, we're all, we're all, all one big family. So it's really a case of confirmation bias in a sense, you know, bringing the assumptions that you bring uh, will kind of predetermine what you're going to come up with in terms of how they've come up with these longer ages, you'd say. That's right. That's that's right. And so uh, somebody might be doing some work on something like, for example, someone might find human-like skull in a cave. And so they they sort of think, well, uh, what method will they use to measure the age of, of this stuff here, you know? And so they then just sort of decide, well, I'll use this method and I'll do a bit of analysis on this particular mineral, which is uh, next to it. And they'll think, well, I need an age of about uh, a million years, uh, 1.5 million years. If it's younger than that, it, uh, nobody will be interested. If, no, if it's older than that, nobody will believe me. So they're looking for an age in in that sort of range and and so they select the minerals that they uh, are going to date you know going to do the work on they select the method and uh, they then decide how they're going to prepare those minerals and what parts they're going to leave in what parts are going to leave out and then they'll you know do the analysis and if the age comes out not exactly where they want it they'll they'll sort of say well there must be a problem that mineral is probably not the best one we need to use a different mineral or something like that that's the way it goes so there's a lot of subjectivity in it to get the the date that uh, they like and uh, which is interesting 
Dr. Tez, uh, this is Joseph speaking here. I have a question that actually uh, one of our listeners uh, inquired about this topic uh, a while ago. And, uh, and uh, one of the questions is, okay, how do we get with the idea that, for example, Aboriginal culture in Australia is 65,000 years? Clearly from the historical method, when you look at the Bible, we, we're seeing that all cultures date maximum 6,000 years. What kind of, how, how did people come or arrive at that conclusion? How do they just justify those 65,000 years? Is it by um, ra uh, radioactive carbon dating? Yes, it is. Uh, so uh, originally, the, the, the dates were originally pushed up by, by uh, carbon dating, and that's got a maximum about 40,000 years, something like that. And so there's a, there was some work done on uh, one particular uh, one particular uh, example is uh, Mungo Man, which is in southern New South Wales near Lake Mungo, and so they did a, a, a carbon dating on the remains of this uh, person that was buried in that area, and and they came up with a, a dates of around twenty about forty thousand years, something like that, which was really really high. That was the highest. At oldest age that anybody had been um, dated at, and so this was a record. And it was, you know, back 20 years ago when these sorts of dates, or maybe further, when these sort of dates came forward. And so the the ages of the Aboriginal people, um, you know, were up around that area. Then there was some people in the ANU, Australian National University, who did a big analysis on it, and they started analysing the sand grains. And, uh, and you can't do carbon dating on sand grains. Uh, so they did, uh, uh, they did uh, electron spin resonance methods, which based on the sand, it holds the amount of light. And so they measure how much light is in these sand grains. And uh, there's a couple of different methods, uh, thermoluminescence and that, that they do. And they were getting ages way beyond 40,000, up around 60,000 years. And they used other methods as well. So you ended up with a, with an argument between people in the University of Melbourne who were sort of uh, aiming for 40,000 and people at the Australian National University who were getting ages up around 60,000 years. And, um, and basically there was quite a bit of debate in the literature and the people from Melbourne say, look, you just can't accept the dates of these. Any, any dates, this is exactly what creationists say. You know, it has to agree, agree with the field evidence. And those in Melbourne were arguing to reject the dates of 60,000, but it's a, an attractive date because the older sounds better, doesn't it? What would you prefer, 60,000 or 40,000? Well, 60,000 is better. And the big problem yes. is that 60,000 starts to affect the whole of the evolutionary uh, story about humans evolving in Africa and when that occurred. And so you'll end up with uh, the dates of the Australian Aboriginal people being much older than that. And so it complicates the whole story. So, uh, But uh, the 60,000 is the date that's actually sort of now widely accepted not because it's scientifically reliable, but because it fits, you know, with, with the, you know, it's the sort of dates that people like. Mm, and yes. it's the dates that the media use. And so now that's the date that's sort of stuck. But they've got ages for Aboriginals up to 100,000 years. Uh, but, and they're not really popular because people think nobody's going to believe that. Not mm. yet. 
as the ages creep up, what people accept, you know, eventually it might get there, but uh, I don't know if that will really happen. But, you know, the <laughs> dates, they don't want dates which are vastly different. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit. It's a bit of a bidding competition to see who can get the the highest number. But um, thank you so much, Doctor Taz. We've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, and uh, we learnt a lot. And uh, you've galvanised us in our approach to how science and the world actually does confirm our creation account. So thank you very much. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.